shit today. What up, what up, what up? This is something about podcasts, the podcast where we review other podcasts. I'm your host, Kyle, aka K Blaze. You can find me on Twitter at Mr. Terrific2. That's MR Terrific2. I'm here with my partner in crime, Golden, a.k.a. FRH, the Fly Revolutionary Hustler. What's up, my man? What's up? And y'all can find me at FRH412, or you can find us at About Podcast. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, man. How you been? I've been pretty good, man. A lot of traveling since the last podcast. A lot of life that, that has been lived. So uh, I'm good, man. I can't complain. All right, cool. What's I mean, up with you, bro? Uh, nothing, man. Just trying to get my house to feel more lived in. You know, we finally bought a new couch for the loft upstairs. Um, also lost my car keys in the process, but uh, end up finding them. <laughs> I don't know why, but when you just said, like, also lost, it just sounded like you were about to mourn someone. Ah man, you know you. Do you mourn your car keys? Uh, no, like I said, man. <laughs> luckily, I found them. It's crazy because I knew I left. Oh, I didn't know you actually found them. At- no, I did. I did. Uh, I, I was positive that I left them at the furniture store. We sat on like thirty couches, you know, trying to find the right couch to put up in the loft. I called them next the next morning when I couldn't find my keys, and I, you know, you said that to put in the loft. The loft, you know, uh, my upstairs living room, I guess you would call it, is is, is is referred to as a loft. Oh, I never knew that was what that was called. Yeah, nigga, you rich. You got uh, a nah, loft, nigga. Nah, nah bro. I Every do okay. time I think of loft, I think of something else. All right, all right. Continue on, bro. Yeah, the people man. always be mad because I be cutting you off in your stories anyway. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Well, I mean, yeah, but at least this one, they're like, man, he, can they get to the, the podcast to go to review and hear him <laughs> yeah. talking about it? Nah, fuck that. <laughs> nah, man, but um, but yeah, so I called the store and I'm like, hey, you know, I'm pretty sure I forgot my keys there. Can you let me know if anyone turns them in? Can you guys look for them? And they're like, yeah, just, you know, leave your number and we'll give you a call. I didn't hear anyone hear from anyone for a couple hours. So I called back like, hey, you know, has anyone reported my keys? And they're like, no, nah, we haven't found them. So two days go by, right? I even went up to the store myself and tried to look for them. I couldn't find them. Two days goes by. I call them again like, hey, you know, it's been a couple of days. You know, I've checked. I've retraced my steps everywhere I possibly could have been. Are you sure no one has found them in the store? And they're just adamant that it's not in the store, right? So I call to cancel my couch order because car keys are expensive. Like I called, yeah. I called my dealership. See how much it would be to replace my car keys. It was Hold like up. Yeah. You so you called to cancel your couch order because they couldn't find the keys you lost? Well, here's well, here, here's the reasoning behind it, right? Uh, so and and this ties into the car the amount of the car keys, right? So the couch was uh, like I got I talked them down to like twelve hundred for the couch and like this oversized ottoman and some extra throw pillows that I wanted. In order to replace the keys, like my car key cost like 150 replaced. That's what the dealership told me. When I called the dealership for Amanda's car, they told me it was going to be like 500 because Amanda's Amanda's car key is in like two different parts. And not only is it in two different parts, they have to like program each of those parts separately. It's something something really shicey, right? 
And um, so I was like, well, if I got to pay to replace these keys, I'm not I'm not buying this couch. Right. But the real reason I actually called is because I found the couch cheaper online by like two, <laughs> like 200 bucks. Now, getting to the <laughs> getting to the root of things. Yeah. But so whenever I called the store and told them that I was going to cancel, they're like, well, you know, um, I just want to let you know that the salesman who sold you the couch, he's going to call you to see if he can, you know, keep the sale or whatever. And, you know, just tell him what you told me and, you know, we'll cancel the order completely. And I'm like, all right, that's fine. I'm like, why does it, that's so fucking stupid. Like, they, they, when you really think about what they're saying, it's like, so you're telling us what to do, but we're going to give you a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> and if you mess up the challenge, we're no, not going to cancel your order. <laughs> but here's the thing. Well, the, the order was already canceled because since I called on that day, it showed on that day that the order was canceled. But, you know, they were still going to try to save the sale. So, you know, he calls me. I'm actually um, out to lunch with my boss and my coworker. And he calls me. He's like, hey, you know, I heard that you canceled your um, your order or whatever. Anything we could do to, you know, save the sale. And I'm like, nah, man, I got to replace like $700 worth of keys. You know, it's just not fiscally responsible for me to purchase this couch as well. At this point, I'd already um, replaced my car key. And it ended up being like 120 instead of 150. Not that that matters. And you know, I told um, you you could have did it for thirty dollars, but continue on. Yeah, maybe, but I mean that's what I was going to do with Amanda's key. But we'll yeah. forget it. So, and he's like, he's like, all right, well, you know, if there's nothing we can do, you know, I'm sorry to lose your business. I was like, well, I mean, you found my keys, you know, I mean, maybe we could still talk about this couch, you know. So, of course, I get off the phone with him. Ten minutes later. Ten fucking minutes. Fuck them. Minutes, they could have been got you that couch. Ten dog. minutes later, I'm he, not with he, it. Man. He calls me and he's like, he's like, he said, he said, describe what your keys look like. I tell him he's like, he's like, brother, I have your keys right in my hand right now. And I was like, he all right, did say brother. Yeah, he, he, he sure <laughs> did too, man. So I, I'm like, all right, cool. I'll be over to pick him up. So I get there to pick him up, and he's like, hey, you know, here goes your keys. You know, I found them in this couch. And no, hold up, he had he had the keys right in front of you, and he brought it back in the last <laughs> minute. I said, what is he? Ho ho. What you, how bad you want these keys, dog? He said, you know, how bad you want that sale, right? Yeah. So he actually found the keys in the couch that we were going to buy, which I, which is where I figured they were. Whenever I checked it, I couldn't find it. But I didn't dig deep enough in it. I was just, uh, I don't know, man. I just wasn't thorough. <laughs> That's what she said, nigga. <laughs> so he tells me that he found the keys in the couch and also found, like, a tape measure that, that they couldn't find for, like, the last, like, month or so. Because one, uh, uh, one of the associates was, like, measuring the couch and they couldn't find it. Apparently, this couch just eats shit or whatever. So... He, so if you buy it, there's no telling what, what else you might find in there. Well, I mean, I got a tile now for my key. So and and it's new. So anything I find in it is going to be mine. We're not going to explain what a tile is because we ain't doing no free promotion. But I'm listening. That's fair. So he's like, so uh, you know, can we can we still make this deal? Are you going to buy the couch? I was like, well, here's the thing, man. You know, I called you guys the day after I lost my keys to see if you guys could help me find it, and you know, I was told that you know it must not be in the store. So I went out and I purchased the key already. So I'm like, if you take the cost of my key off the purchase of the sofa, sure, we'll do it. And he's like, he said, yeah, I'll do that. So I was like, bet. All right. I was like, I want, I wanted uh, Makes the, you wonder how, 
makes you wonder how much further you could have yeah. got them down. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I just I just wanted to get the price down to the price I found online, which I did. So uh, yeah, okay, that's dope. Yeah, so it all it all worked out. So like I said, it's just it's just a weird that the whole thing was just strange. But that's not what you guys came for. You guys didn't come to hear about uh, Lost Keys or anything. Podcast that we reviewed this week, it's a little different. It's called Ear Hustle. You are now tuned in to San Quentin's Ear Hustle from PRX's Radiotopia. I'm Erlon Woods. I've been incarcerated for 21 years, and I'm currently housed here at San Quentin State Prison in California. I'm Nigel Poor, a visual artist, now podcaster. I've been working with the guys here at San Quentin for about seven years. And together, we're going to take you inside. Ear Hustle is the first podcast in podcast history to be Boom. made, recorded, produced, everything in a prison. It's about life in prison. It's about life outside of prison that deals with prison. They cover a wide variety of topics. Uh, Golden and I, we only listened to the fourth season, but it was good enough that we listened to more episodes. Generally, if you guys are repeat customers, you know that we listen to five or six episodes. But after we finished the five or six episodes, we went back and listened to two or three more, like almost the entire season because it was it was that good. Or at least it was that interesting. I'll put it that way. Because some, so there were some episodes that were like really overproduced, and there were some that we'll was get like, into yeah, that. You know, they kind of bring it, they bring it back. Uh, there are two hosts generally. The most consistent host, her name is Nigel Poor. She's a uh, Bay Area visual artist. She volunteers at the prison. Bay initially, Area. Initially, she got involved in a different way before um, one of the prisoners had said that they should do a documentary. And she figured the uh, visual medium would be a little too difficult to do in the prisons with all the uh, red tape and regulations. So she went to podcasting instead. And her first podcast co-host was a guy named Erlon Woods. The interesting, crazy thing about this is that this guy, is he, he's a prisoner, but and he was serving, what, a 31 years or 31 to life for robbery it was his third strike he was already 21 years in before his sentence got commuted largely because of the work he did on this podcast so maybe if more people in podcast history thought of you know more people in prison in podcast history thought about throwing a podcast they might be out of prison i don't i don't know that's the lesson i I took away from that i mean i feel like that's a very unlikely outcome but (laughs) hey it worked for it worked for my man erlon erlon is still involved in the podcast even though he's out here on the free world now. So um, it's going to be interesting how his views evolve on things uh, when he has more of a real world, world uh, perspective as yeah. his uh, co-hosting. Most definitely. Because um, he hosts the first three seasons with Nigel. Nigel's a woman, by the way. Um, I don't. I know that's not clear because Nigel's not generally a unisex name. No, it's not. Even, he, though, I, even though I did learn today that Drew Holiday named his daughter Drew, Drew. Holiday. <laughs> <laughs> so my only question is is she and her middle name is Tyler. So I that's I not necessarily that. a woman's name either. So I don't that's know if that's his strange. middle name too. So my only question is is she going to be the second? <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, man. Let me give it let me get back on track. Okay. So <laughs> so 
Erlon hosts the first three seasons with uh, Nigel. Then he his sentence gets commuted, so they had to find another host. Um, the host of the fourth season with Erlon kind of popping in. Golden had mentioned it. He he's a contributor. Uh, he does a lot of the interviews for people who are recently released from prison, and they also talk to him about what it's like being out of prison. So he adds that perspective as well. But the new host on the inside is uh, his name is Rashawn New York Thomas. And um, so for the fourth season, he's in there. He's serving 55 to life. He was convicted of murder. At this point, he's been in for, I think, 20 years. Uh, It was the case that they gave him. You know what the messed up part about that is when I found out what he was in for and like how long he was serving? I was like, man, I guess after Erlon, they're like, man, we got to get a host we don't have to replace. You know? Oh, that's fucked up. Because apparently this dude's not going anywhere. So they're like, yo. Yeah. Yeah, man, and um, I guess they don't really have to pay him anything either. We're going to get into, uh, you know, the pay rate of some of the prison jobs a little later, but um, but it seems like this is something that he likes. He found out that uh, in addition to podcasting, he also likes to write as well. So he, now he's a contributor to the Marshall Project, Wall City Magazine, and the San Quentin News. So, uh, you know, it's, it looks like he's trying to turn his life around to prison. Um, I I don't think he'll end up with the same result as uh, Erlon, though. Well, for the record, everybody in prison is trying to turn their life around. At least that that's like the official. That is true. Well, that's the official <laughs> line that they give you. You ain't never met nobody who was so determined to do anything in life and was going to be focused and, and all this stuff. If you haven't heard from somebody in prison, everybody's going to get their life back. But here's the thing. If you met someone who didn't say that you might not be alive, man. Like, <laughs> cause the guys who go to prison who aren't trying to turn their life around will probably kill you. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, man, I mean, some of, them, some of them ain't trying to turn their, turn their life around, but that don't mean they ain't kill. They don't, that don't mean they killers. <laughs> yeah, they, I don't know. They might just hustle. Could be, them, bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, and bro. And there's, there's a lot of that going on too there's a lot of that but the last the last person he's not a host he's a producer he's also an, an inmate at san quentin his name is antoine williams he's a producer and he was serving 15 years for armed robbery he actually as at the end of the fourth season he got out so um i'm not sure who's going to produce the podcast now i guess he's going to produce it from the outside oh, i don't know if i realized it was about him he uh, or maybe i didn't listen to the last episode I you might know. you might not have but oh, that nigga robbing somebody else right now. He's back. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> now nah, this dude got a job now, man. You see him the... Yeah. Now he's got you been scouting the place. <laughs> telling the niggas to come up. <laughs> That's fucked up. I shouldn't say that, man. I take that back. I'm sorry, Antoine. I don't want no problems. But that's one of the things that um, came up in the podcast was basically whenever people get out of what they do and um Things that are tied to like the recidivism rate. That's a nice word, though. By the way, uh, recidivism. Yeah, I didn't know what that meant till probably after college. Uh, good to know. Or while in college. All right. <laughs> so we're gonna do for our return listeners. We're gonna do something a little different. We're gonna go through each of the episodes we listen to, kind of pull out the thing that stuck out to us the most, instead of uh, just kind of going into the dialogue. But um, there's one episode called inside music and the thing that kind of stuck out to me was that there's a recording studio in the prison i mean i knew that because that's how they produce the podcast but like there's cats in there rapping and stuff i mean what did you think of that man 
I mean, there's so many niggas in the world who got uh, so many things going on in their life. Got to go to work. They got a kid to take care of. And they all say the same shit. It's like, I just wish I could just focus on music. Well, nigga, <laughs> all you got to do is get locked up in the state of California and make yourself self way to San Quentin. And all you got to worry about is going to sleep when they tell you to do. <laughs> you get meals and you can record your heart out. You know, so what, I, you know what the messed up part about this is? And again, like there's a lot of messed up things that happens over the course of this podcast, at least in my mind, is that, yo, you can literally be on death row and record a record. Oh, that's a nice one, bro. It's like a buffoon, <laughs> but it's that that shit is I actually respect that. That's hard. That's a new Death Row Records, dog. That's what I'm saying, man. It's uh that's what I was thinking. I was like, man, this is is this messed up? <laughs> well, you know, I, we'll get to that episode, but I'm pretty sure the Death Row uh folks do not have the <laughs> recorder. <laughs> nah, well, you know what? If they when they I think whenever they get moved to the main nah, they, it's probably a rap for them. I tell you one song that would go hard from a death row inmate Uh where the bodies are buried. Uh That's that's messed up. (laughs) (laughs) But either way, um, like now that I'm thinking about it a little more is I wonder how they like kind of divvy up studio time. Because I mean, you know, out in the real world, you got to pay for studio time. Well, I think a few things. Let's. Number one, I think that's like the most probably coveted thing you can have, you can get, right, is studio time. Like, so I'm sure there's, I'm sure it's a lot of square ass motherfuckers and people that are not respected within the prison, um, within the inmate population who get to be in that goddamn studio all the time because all the, stipulations that they probably have to keep up with in turn in order to uh, earn that right because you know the co is going to f with you so that's one thing um number two just because you earn that privilege don't mean that you have any talent whatsoever (laughs) so for for all the fucking good shit we hear like whoever's job it is to engineer them people i'm sure they got some people in there who be like yo like tone deaf it's like karaoke night (laughs) And they just want to be like, yo, I just cut a record. You know what I'm yeah. saying? That's true. And uh, the dude, Antoine Williams, the guy who produces the podcast, you know, he had no production experience prior to doing the podcast. So I'm guessing there's, I mean, you got a lot of time to kind of learn this stuff. So, I mean, people might be in there honing their craft, you know, and that that actually kind of takes me to the next episode, unless you got something else to say about this one. Well, the other thing that permeates, I've probably been bringing this up a few times. So when you have a podcast that's focused on prisoners and prison life, like your general reaction to it is that like you're getting connected to like the plight of, you know, an oppressed and downtrodden group, which is true. You know what I mean? People in prisons almost everywhere like that, but particularly given the history of the United States is, is prevalent. But the other thing that is magnified by by this to me is also just like the preposterousness of wealth and how it's concentrated in different areas. So 
San Quentin is in California. California has all these billionaires from Silicon Valley. Even this podcast is largely funded by the uh, Zuckerberg yeah. uh, family or whatever. And so, and it's through the, this whole, the whole thing is a, it's through a program that they founded. And so I was just thinking about all these different opportunities, including this podcast that is really just a result of inequity <laughs> like so the reason why these people are in prison is because of the in, unequal and disparities uh that we have within this country but at the, the same and it's also the same reason why they have an opportunity to uh we have an opportunity to listen to them so to me like that's just something that always is like battling in my head when they talk about all like the different stuff that these uh inmates are, are being taught i was like well if they were in Pennsylvania, they probably wouldn't get taught that, but definitely not in West Virginia. You know what I'm saying? Like New Mexico. So it's interesting. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, with all the meth heads, everybody didn't do it. <laughs> Shout out to our, our listeners in New Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> they call it broken glass. Breaking bad fans, too. I mean, it was filmed in New Mexico for a reason. Oh, Oh, hey, there's a Breaking Bad reference in this there uh, is, podcast. There is, too. and that's going to come oh. up later as well. I mean, that's what you call a tease, people. So, but the next episode actually deals with a lot of what you're talking about, and that's um, it was called Snack Money, and I actually merged that episode with um the other the following episode, Life Shows Up, and that's about prison and employment, like the jobs that prisoners get whenever they're in jail, and then how difficult it is for them to find work when they get out of jail. One of the things that stuck out in this episode was just like, "Hold up, I'm sorry, uh-huh. I'm sorry, bro. Well, you brought up the whole music pa- podcast, yes, and we didn't talk about none of the music. And I was probably, I probably should remember that when you was like, "Is there anything else that stuck out?" I tried to, I tried to throw it to how you, bro, you, and you were just like, "Yo, nah. <laughs> how did you feel about the music that you heard when that joint first came in, like?" I don't remember who the first artist. I, the, there was some hip hop, and, and and there was some like boom boxing, uh, or beatboxing. Wait, wait. I think you're talking. I think you may be thinking about the Catch a Kite episode. Whenever they had like the listeners. No, I'm talking about this one. Is it the same episode? That this dude. Th- there was a dude in here who was beatboxing, and then. I was just like, yo, this is not good. Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and and I guess it's another example of motherfuckers having platforms and shit that are not good. Yeah, man. It's not like in prison your talent is gonna is gonna be what rises you to the top. You know what I'm saying? It could could be some other thing. Yeah, dude thought he was Dana but, Dane, man. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I don't even know who that is. I know who it is from the name, but I don't know who that dude is. But All anyway. right, well, let's just say like right, Dougie Fresh then. He thought he was Dougie Fresh. Ah, Dougie Fresh, yeah, 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 exactly, exactly, Dougie Fresh, and then um, I just know the dude was rapping, and he had he said Red Bone chilling, you know the deal, and I to me that shit was just so hysterically bad, <laughs> hysterically bad, <laughs> Red Bone chilling, you know the deal, yeah. and then there was some uh, there was some Native American dude on there that was cool, he was doing his. Uh, travel stuff. It actually opened up with a dude playing the saxophone. And he was saying how he was like the lead saxophonist in the school that he went to before he came to prison. Then he ended up in a prison that didn't have a music program, so he hadn't played the saxophone in like 
10, 10 years or something. It, oh, that's kind of fucked up, man. Doesn't that sound a little bit entitled, though? Like, my, my prison didn't even have a music program. <laughs> like it's a public school or something, right? Yeah. <laughs> we even have art. <laughs> like, yeah, nigga, you know what you would do with them pencils? Oh, uh, man. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I guess, I guess it did because I guess that's kind of what I was thinking. Because I'm like, even the way you said it, you it seemed like you was on a bandwagon. Like they don't, they didn't even have a prison program. Nigga. No, but that's what he said. He said because he they're like, hey, um, you know how long you've been playing the saxophone, or when's the last time you played the saxophone? He's like, oh, well, I haven't played in like 14 years. You know, I was like, you know, the first saxophone in the school, but then I was in some prison in somewhere down south, and they didn't have a music program, so I wasn't able to. And you know, whenever I got up here, I've been playing it for the last two months and it's like yo you got a music program bro yeah like there's public schools with like kids who don't have music programs I, the funny thing is you said the way you said it you was like you said i was the only saxophone in the jail or whatever and then it, it sounds like saxophone is like a title for like a, a, a inmate that does something like, oh, this dude's a saxophone. I don't know what a saxophone would be, <laughs> but it just sounded like it was slang the way you said it. Nah, the way that you just said saxophone makes it sound like someone who doesn't know, like, the correct title for, like, a sex offender. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> Hold up. Stop. <laughs> Yo, do you notice that sometimes they disclose with the person, the inmate who was on, did, and sometimes they don't? I don't know if you noticed that. I didn't. Uh, okay, but some of that, but I wonder when we were talking about. But like, again, we're also in the fourth season, and they had people who had been on the podcast before, so they probably just oh, didn't sure feel like rehashing be. it. Could be, or it could be that they could be took a stance that like people don't want to know necessarily be want want to be uh, defined by their worst moments. You know what I'm saying? Um, but I want I some just made me ask this question. So, Erlon Woods was a three-strike offender. Mm -hmm. We're listening to a murderer now. <laughs> I, don't, I don't mean that in a pejorative way. Yeah, but. yeah, because you know it's all it's all positive whenever you talk about someone killing someone else. I mean, I don't. To me, it doesn't bother me. Like it is, you do what you got to do. It's not. I don't make a moral thing about murder. There's way worse things that you could do, like lie. To me, wow, man. I mean, these things are unevenly yoked, bro. I don't want I don't want no liars in my circle. I don't mind having a murderer or two. You know what I'm saying? That's all I'm saying. Wow. Wow. So murder is something that isn't is is an action. Liar is more of a character, Jake. <laughs> but anyway. Yo, I, I was wondering yo, shut the, shut which, the hell up, man. <laughs> sometimes sometimes there's a reason to kill though. You know what I'm saying? I mean, in, in Samuel L. Jackson's case, there's a time to kill. <laughs> or, or yeah, or Gucci Mane, but whatever. Uh, uh, but what the question that I have is: Would you listen to this podcast if it were a pedophile who was the host? And probably a, even one that maybe like these dudes is, both had life sentences. Maybe the pedophile was doing like a eight year bid or whatever. Would you listen to it? Nah, man. I don't, I don't think I could. Cause specifically because I don't think they would allow a pedophile to do it. It's crazy that I'm saying that because they're allowing a murderer to do it, right? But at the same time, I'm like, I feel like there's just way too much, way much more baggage, man. Because every time this dude talks, 
you think about kids, you know what I'm saying? And what this dude is doing to kids, right? Because, I mean, some of the subject matter that they go over, because they, they talk about dating and they talk about, you know, courting and having sex and stuff like that. And, yeah, you can see it from, like, you know, this uh, person who robbed someone or this another person who, you know, was convicted of murder. You, I mean, you can still see that in some sense of normalcy, but you can't really talk about like dating and courting women and doing stuff like that with like a pedophile because you're just like, yo, but I'm pretty sure this person was like 11 that you're talking about. No, I don't. I mean, I, I, I think if a pedophile was, was the, the person who was imprisoned, it's not like it will focus on his life. He's still focusing on those other people who, this podcast cover and and I don't think that we're living through the hosts. Bro, what is an opinion worth at that point, man? Because like, oh man, when you when you get out, you know, are you going to are you going to host opinion that often? But that's the thing, because well, here's the thing with Erlon when he got out, you know, they're talking about the the girl that he or the you know the woman that he uh, ended yeah, up dating yeah, and all that yeah. other stuff. You, and you know, they asked like, hey, what are you going to do you're when you assume, get out? You're, you're assuming that a pedophile can't date a woman. I mean, if the woman, I mean, maybe a little woman. <laughs> All right, this is awful. <laughs> I'm saying, like, those dudes can't even get access to the internet, man. They get, well, I'm, they got right. red dots on their house and on, like. For the sake of this conversation, let's assume that the podcast would have gone down the same trajectory. Could you have listened to it, though? That's That's my question. I'm not I'm not I'm not talking about the person's ability to be as good as Rasan or Erlon. I'm just saying if that was same podcast, we're in the same situation, we we pick a random podcast, we start listening, and during your re- research you find out it's a pedophile, would you be able to continue listening? Or not would you be able to, but like would you continue? For the sake of this podcast, I will listen to it the whole way through because, I mean, there's other podcasts that, you know, I had trouble finishing that I'm like, you know what, we're just going to listen to this whole thing and see what it's about. But yeah. I think I would have, I'd be more critical of it because of who the host is. And a lot of it is just because I have a kid, you know, I mean, if I didn't have yeah. a kid, would I would I have that same the same idea or that same thought process? I don't know. Maybe not. Probably, but maybe not. Yeah. Maybe not. Maybe not as strong. Yeah. But I'm pretty. But you know that that plays a big part in it. Yeah. I just it's it's interesting because it's like prison does house all all these people. You know what I'm saying? And I even wonder when it comes to like some of the voices that we've heard, um, like if there. Are, if there are any of those kind of offenders or if they would have made a conscious effort not to give those folks, you like, know what? Voice. But I think, how do I put this? The, the one guy, whenever they in the episode, um, I want the fairy tale where they're talking about dating after you get out of prison. And he said yeah. that he went on a date and um you know they they hugged and they parted ways and never talked again and Erlon was like ah oh, you couldn't get a kiss and he's like well you know based off of what i did you know that wasn't really in the cards you know so for me i was like yo i wonder if this dude was like a rapist or something but i feel like yeah. but i feel, you know what like in this era i feel like 
it's probably more acceptable to have killed someone, you know what I'm saying, or stuck someone up. Oh, I think in than, every era. Then well, that's crazy, man. I don't think that's I don't think that's completely true. I feel like in in oh, the eighties, oh. man, if it, if you if you had the choice to put like a rapist on, you know, a, a syndicated radio oh, show. I was thinking birth, pedophile. No, I'm well not nah, because I'm you know, nah, I'm thinking like some this dude must be uh you know charged with like sexual assault or something. If you're talking about, you know, giving this pass and shit. Uh, regardless I wanted to move on to the next episode. Um, like I said, I was kind of merging the two episodes, Snack Money and Life Shows Up. And it's about prison and employment. It's about the jobs that people have while they're in prison. And then when they get out of prison, you know, how difficult it is for them to find jobs. You know, the, one, the first thing that stuck out to me was just how much they got paid. I didn't even know that you got paid in prison. Um, whenever I, first, I didn't know that. See, I, mean, I found that out like probably a couple of years ago. But prior to that, it never even dawned on me that people actually got paid to do anything and i didn't know that different jobs got paid different amounts well, we use the term paid loosely yeah but i mean if you get an income technically you get paid right i mean even if you're making six cent an hour which is what a cook makes i mean if you're rounding if you're, in, it's almost that's almost a dime an hour bro six six cents is is no money <laughs> Bro, if you're rounding down to the dollar, you're not getting. But think about it this way, right? You make six cent an hour, and you got like a you know fifty year bid. I mean, you do the math on that. Those dudes might make might might make you know eleven hundred bucks in fifty years. <laughs> you're going, you're going somewhere, man. Nah, man, it's it's, it's crazy. I hope you don't never. I hope you never go to jail, man. <laughs> shit, I hope I never go to jail after listening to this <laughs> shit, bro. Uh- <laughs> Actually, I feel like this shit could have been way more grimy. I feel like they like hit like the ugly. You know shit what, man? And I wanted to talk about that in the um, overall podcast, like whenever we overview uh, it. We can. So we can uh, we'll, we'll get yeah. to that a little later. But yeah, like I said, I because every time they talk about you know uh, a lot of what prisoners do. It you know we kind of talk equated to like you know modern day slavery because it's like you know these people aren't really getting paid and they're making these goods and then the prisons are selling the goods for you hear that athletes this is modern day slavery. yeah like real not not, not you making twenty five million dollars a year no that that's like that's like high class indentured servitude like at, at the at the very worst you know I mean I I don't mind if you call it like modern day um, indentured servitude bro. Uh, warrior shit what's that shit they, they should do in rome yeah i don't mind if you call it modern day uh gladiators that's some more apt fucking joint because them niggas was like halfway slaves halfway paid yeah. some of them got real rich but they didn't have freedom you know yeah. what i'm saying but um i want to watch that russell crowe flick the gladiator see that's why i say gladiator <laughs> see not all makes sense <laughs> All right, man. But either way, man, the, the basically the wages that you make in prison, man, aren't anything unless um and apparently they have this uh program called Last Mile program, the Last Mile program where they actually teach prisoners how to code. This, and mind you, when they when he says they, we're talking about California. Yeah. Uh well, I'm talking about this prison specifically. Um oh, okay. Yeah, like they teach prisoners how to code and there's one inmate that goes back to my other point man they got all this shit because they there was one inmate i can't remember he was working on a website 
I can't remember what the website is, but there was another prisoner who taught him how to code. So they rebuilt the website and found a way to like troubleshoot the website. So whenever he actually got out, he actually ended up with a job in IT. Yeah. But that's not the case for a lot of a lot of individuals. There's another inmate that they um that they interviewed and he was part of the like emergency response unit for the prison where he was kind of, he was in I guess he, you you would call him like a EMT. Yeah. Yeah, and um I remember that grimy ass story told that we don't need Yeah, to we don't, we don't have to go into that. But he, you know, he gets out of prison and he has all the EMT training, but since he's a felon, he can't actually get a job as an EMT, even though, I mean, what what do you think about that? Depends on the felon. <laughs> you know, that, that might, that might be fair because if it's a drug thing, um, that, that would make sense in some circles just because of the, the type of drugs that they keep in ambulances and, um, that and you you can uh if you they get called to people who OD a lot of times yeah so that could be a triggering experience if you're if you have some drug addiction stuff and then even when that if you know how I know like most people who sell drugs not most but a good amount of people who sell drugs end up pleading down to possession so they end up in these programs like they were. Mm-hmm. Um, users instead of dealers, yeah. you know what I'm saying? And um, so it'd be kind of effed up if they couldn't get their EMT job because they had that on there. But like, I, I don't, I think if you go to jail for selling drugs, I don't think it should restrict you. Yeah. I don't think people sell drugs should be restricted. Anyway. Yeah. But I think but, getting a job in general, from what we heard, is like really difficult. There, they interviewed some uh, woman who I think she went to jail for. I think it was tax fraud. I remember. And uh, she tried to get a job, and, uh, you know, whenever they ran her background, it came up. Oh. Yeah. It came up in uh, mail, mail fraud. fraud. And um, every time they ran her background, it would come up, so she would never get hired. And then she finally got hired at a company, and her and, her, and her roommate got into a beef. At a tip agency. Yeah, her and her roommate got into a beef, and the roommate called the uh, job that she was working at. She was working at a bank. Yeah. And she had a fraud conviction, mm-hmm. which is like a crazy no-no. And I don't know if the bank hired her directly or not. I'm my guess is probably not because banks normally do something called bonding, where uh, they run your fingerprints and all this kind of stuff. Um, she kept on getting promoted. She was doing really well that job. Her and her roommate got in a beef. Her roommate calls her job and lets her lets her know. That um, it's a wrap. Yeah, she tell she tells the employer that she was um that she was that she went to prison and what she went to prison for. But you know the crazy thing about that is, man, as a person who hires and fires people, man, um, if you work in a talk that I'm shit, just saying, like if you work in a banking setting, like the people I hire have to work in secure areas, and I have to run background checks on everyone, man. There's people, and you know, I have jobs that are as skillless as you know, just restocking restrooms, really. And if those people can't pass a background check, I can't even hire them. I've had a lot of people who've had different um, different blemishes on their background. We'll just call them that. That I wasn't able to I wasn't able to hire, even if it had nothing to do with banking, just because you know it's in a secure mm. area. So I mean, I, I wouldn't I, w- I can't go as far as what Homie was saying. But I guess you know that's only part of you know the difficulty of 
trying to get a job when you get out. I mean, a lot of people don't really see you, don't see past, you know, the uh, the F, you know? That's true. But, I mean, that goes both ways, man. I mean, there's a reason for that, too. Because, I mean, if everyone was trustworthy after they got out of prison, if they thought everyone was reformed, then, you know, I, it wouldn't be a problem. But some people got burnt along the way. I don't know. That's it's so that that thing reinforces so many systemic sins and and errors and injustices, man. Yeah. But it is what it is. Well, I mean, here. and not only that, but it's just uh, kind of like a melting pot for for crime, right? Uh, there was something I was watching where they said that there's a person who may have uh, gone into prison for selling drugs, you know, but based on the people that they're around when they come out, not only they know about more about selling drugs. They also know about robbery. I mean, there's just different things that you end up picking up being around people who have committed other crimes that all of a sudden you're more knowledgeable of and probably more likely to um, like to, more likely to try. Coincidentally, some people call that gladiator school. They call it prison. I never heard that one before. Yeah. It's an official theme of this <laughs> podcast uh, today. But yeah, like, yeah, or crime school, you know, like, there's so many things. But one thing about it, it, it it's not quite a melting pot. If if you want to compare this, now that I say this country's a melting yeah. pot, because everybody's from all over and all that, it's, it's heavily skewed in the direction of a... Uh, Black and Latinos, that's for sure. Yeah, well, I said a melting pot of crime, not a melting pot of, you know what I'm saying, racially. Yeah, 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 that, yeah. Well, whenever I hear melting pot, that's like the reference oh, that goes But even mind. then, I mean, if you're talking oh, about right. racially, I mean, it'd be more of a mosaic because they say that a lot of people just kind of stick with their own in prison. Well, yeah, that's just like the United that's States. That's what I'm saying, too. a mosaic, you know, that's what yeah. it is. All right. I don't know. What I can't even argue with you because I don't really know what a mosaic <laughs> is. I mean, I've heard it used as like an adjective. Like, this is a mosaic. I don't right, know. Well, I think there was a hair hair conditioner called what? mosaic, though, back in the day. Yeah. I think in, in JC Penney's, they used to sell it because my mom used to have me wait. All right, bro. We'll move on. Time. We'll move on. Um, yeah. <laughs> that was your cue. That was your cue. Start talking about my mom's That's hair. it, bro. But as far as, you know, getting out, you know, outside of just finding a job, Another thing that's difficult to do or, you know, other prisoners have found it difficult to do is, you know, find love, you know, find someone. Well, you know what? That's not even completely true, you know, because they do this and they had the episode called Respect the Paper. And it just really spoke. Very good episode. That's one of my favorite episodes. Yeah, it talked about the importance of mail and, you know, writing letters. And first of all. Not men, but like, yes, mail. Well, yeah, but. One of the first, well, this is going to be messed up. Like, whenever I thought about the writing letters part, right, I'm like, yo, I hope this dude Golden never goes to jail, man, because this nigga can't write anyone letters because no one can, because no one's going to be able to read his writing at all. I will use a typewriter if I got, if I got locked up. Uh, nah, bro, you have access, access to a studio. So, I mean, I'm pretty sure you can, uh, <laughs> that's true. You, you can print out what you're doing. Nah, man, because, or, or I'll seduce one of the guards, pause, one of the later dude guards. guards I, I got it. it. Yeah. <laughs> nah, man, but this dude, Golden's penmanship is just like, is Immaculate. legendarily horrible. It's funny <laughs> because, um, my homie, Crystal with a C, 
she uh, bought a shirt from him and she, and she showed me the package and she's like, what is wrong with this dude's right? No, and I, I couldn't do anything but laugh. Bro. I don't remember. I don't remember what I uh, wrote. What did I write her? Uh, what did I write her? I on? mean, I know the addresses and everything that you had written. Oh, like, oh. It, it looked, it looked See, like, so, it looked like some fucking numbers. <laughs> <laughs> it looked like one of those uh, like hieroglyphic language, languages instead of just like, Actual letters and numbers, man. It was crazy. What you're trying to say is that my writing is unforgettable. Yeah, man. I don't know, man. You better have a celly with like really good penmanship if you're trying to, you know, get the bread from these uh, women, these desperate women calling in looking for a father for their son whenever you get out. Oh man, I yeah, right. I don't. There's know. a lot of that, man, and um, that that was like one of the biggest things. I'm like, I did not realize that there was like a market. For whenever you go into jail, people can look up your mugshots and if they think you're cute, they can write you letters and, you know, just basically, basically trick, trick on you, you know? And I thought that there's a couple of things that some of them that didn't even write in the podcast. That's one thing. The other thing is like, there's literally women who you can pay to write you. Back and forth, like I, I, I used to read them hood magazines, like Feds magazine yeah. and uh, Don Diva, and those are like they're geared toward a prison population. The, the sticky pages, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They used to literally have the sticky pages, and in there they used to have ads of people who advertise. And one of them was for people to use a service where these women and they had pictures with them that weren't really them, probably some models, yeah. and and it would literally be a, a, their job to write. Uh, prison dudes and like you could pay for it or they could have a family member pay for it you know what I'm saying if somebody got a life to, that's like better than getting them like pay per view or some shit it's like a real interaction they be having all kind of erotica going on and shit nah but like these dudes were like really getting mail from people that they hadn't heard in years there's one guy who said that uh, there's one woman who wrote him and was like, yeah, I miss you. I can't wait for you to get out. He's like, yo, I've, he said, I've been in prison for 15 years. I haven't seen this girl since high school. And we didn't really talk in high school, you know. But all of a sudden, you know, she sees I'm about to get out of prison. And now she's, you know, saying that she got a place for me to stay whenever I get out. And, you know, she got some kids that, uh, you know, need a male role model. I'm like, I'm like, hey, how bad are they starving for a male role model that they looking for to just get out of prison? Actually, you'd be surprised, man. Nah, man, I wouldn't, man. You know how stratified, yeah, you know how stratified this society is, man. It just be like, there's a whole dearth of positive dudes. There's a lot of criminals, but like some of them criminals just ain't shit. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, yeah, you just like, you're a stand-up, you're a stand-up criminal. You can teach my son how to do this shit the right way. (laughs) Oh, man, like, like WeeBay. Oh shit, we babe was a stand up dude. He took all them charges. Yeah, like he sure dude. did, man. And and or like a sucker. Yeah, and and his baby mom never let his kid live that down. Oh oh, she did. She used to bark that in his ear, right? Yep. I don't she's remember. Like, she's like, Yo, daddy, he went to prison. He stood tall. What are you gonna do? How are you gonna make this money, <laughs> bro? The wires, yo, the wires, fantastic, bro. <laughs> You make me want to watch it. Uh, that was probably during the uh, season where they was in the school. Yeah, young punk ass naming. That was his son. Yeah, that was Wee Bay's son. Oh, bro, you might want to go back and rewatch it. Naming with, that with knowledge. the braids. Naming had the braids, right? 
Well, he had he had a ponytail for a long time yeah. before he got the braid. Oh, yeah. that dude, the one uh, who, I, like, the, after he got in that boxing ring, he was like, "This shit ain't for me." He ain't out of fight. Exactly. Yeah. He was soft, man. Remember, he was getting punked by the uh, little uh, Canard. I remember who Canard is. Canard killed Omar. Spoiler alert. Oh, that was Canard. Yeah. Oh shit. Canard was small as fuck. Yeah, that's what Smaller I'm saying. Smaller than Naaman, though. Yes, and because he kept on calling Naaman's bluff because he knew Naaman was a punk. Oh shit. That's it. That's it. that was so accurate. Yo, that, there will never ever be a show that is accurate. Period. Every all these other shows embellish everything. Like yeah. it's all like I think I ever think about power and all that. Power started off like really good. Then they fucking went off the fucking rails. Like <laughs> everything in the wire was was fucking act. It was like no embellishment. It was contained. Yeah, the only only there were certain things you could say were unlikely, but it all it's all stuff that could have happened. It wasn't like 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 Hamsterdam. Yeah, Hamsterdam, and then and I, and Hamsterdam, and maybe they like might like uh, use some liberties to like paint the point, but Hamsterdam does happen in cities everywhere, but it's just not. Yeah. Places where they don't they don't police drug use and stuff as much. They just kind of let it go. Yeah. But you know, we we can talk more about that whenever we review the Wire podcast. Oh, is there a Wire podcast? I don't know, bro. Man, I'm just trying to get. I'm trying to, to move be. on to the next. Hey <laughs> yo, to to the next hey subject, yo, we gonna man. look for that joint. Hey y'all, if there's a Wire podcast, we are gonna find it. And if there's not one, we might start it. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but nah, man. Back to uh, back to these women writing dudes in prison, trying to trying to find their husband. Actually, there's a show that Amanda started watching. It was called um, Love After Lockup, where not just women but men they find these women on these websites. Like, there's one website called MeetAnInmate.com, where you can go look up people, see what they look like and just start writing them letters and maybe they'll respond to you, you know? That's I mean, a fantasy I you... a lot of women have. What? Being with an inmate. I'm my fault. I was waiting for you to elaborate. It's just going on for all time. Malcolm X talks about it in uh, the autobiography of Malcolm X. How, like, these women on the outside world just be showering these dudes with letters and they're attractive and they want to be with these dudes who's, who've like done horrible things. Like there's actually a thing for some women, all these serial killers that kill women. I mean, like mm -hmm. it's inevitable that they'll get some woman who wants to marry them. Like it's so crazy, man. Like it's some, do you, do you know what that is? No, no, I don't know why, why it is. It's because women think they can change men. Oh, that is probably part of it. That's a fact. And that's the ultimate challenge. You're like, oh, he beats up women. He wouldn't beat me up. Let me <laughs> let me reach out to him and, you know, see what it's hitting for. Yeah. Like, oh, he used to kill people. That's fine. I could change him. I, I see, you know, I see his heart. <laughs> that's the reason why, bro. Those, that's the kids. Yo, women. All right. So this show... Love after lockup. There's this woman. She's this a black woman, and she's a Mormon. Um, <laughs> she lives in Utah. See, and here's the thing. 
whenever I found out that she was trying to marry some dude in prison who she met online and expected this dude to be faithful, it didn't shock me because, I mean, if you're a black Mormon, you're already telling me you're gullible. So the fact that, you know. <laughs> Very gullible, yo. The fact that you think that you about that, you said, you know, meet some dude in prison and buy this dude a car and get this dude a place to live and he's not going to cheat on you or take advantage of you. That does not surprise me at all. If you, you know, if you're but a she black had, person anywhere and you just trust a large group of white people, like immediately with your life, I'm going to question your judgment. And I understand there's exactly. a lot of people like that in the world. And I and I like white people. I like white individuals. I trust white individuals. <laughs> once yeah. once motherfuckers start getting getting the three, four, five, it just becomes a it's another dynamic. I see, it's a power dynamic. But notwithstanding, man, that show's crazy because they go they follow a lot of different couples, and one of the couples that they followed a, a different couple. There was this woman who, um, I guess she said that she got you know a little tipsy on Merlot and went on to um, the jail's website and saw a picture or saw this dude's mugshot and decided that she's going to start writing them. So she starts writing them. And whenever he gets out, you know, she just tries to control his life. And she realized that, you know, the reason it worked whenever they're in prison is because she knew where he was, you know, (laughs) because he was out at the bar and, you know, she bought him a, she bought him an iPhone. And whenever he went to prison, you know, iPhones weren't really a thing. So he doesn't know anything about this. Oh, like, meanwhile, <laughs> meanwhile, you know, she got the tracker on the iPhone, like the the, um, the tracking program. She got the, uh, you know, she understands read receipts. He doesn't. So she's emailing or she's texting messaging him and he's reading it and not texting her back. He's like, she's like, yeah, he's so stupid. He doesn't even know that I know that he read my text message. <laughs> That's bad. First of all, whenever you have to explain your um, decision why you started something by saying I was tipsy on Merlot, like it's it's pretty <laughs> bad. Like, oh yeah, I was tipsy on whatever. That's we, that's bullshit. You you made a bad decision. You don't you don't have to give us a reason why. Yeah, man. But no, nah, it, it's crazy because like for whatever the reason, she thought that this dude was going to get out of prison, buy her an engagement ring then marry her and like everything was going to be I mean, like he's a hard earned money like he's probably making big money like 20 cents an hour <laughs> nigga probably did like bro and we you know to get a nice and we, and we, ring about 120 years bro <laughs> and we just talked about how difficult it is for them cats to get jobs anyway so this guy yeah. actually goes out and he goes out and buys a car like his grandma gives him five five grand to go put down on the car. And so he goes and buys a car and she gets mad at him for buying the car instead of buying her a ring. And I'm like, yo, he can't ride that ring to work. Oh man. Unfortunately, the level of irrationality that was displayed by her is about average. But but you know what the crazy <laughs> thing is? And I think like, I feel like the way her mind worked in that scenario, right? is the way dudes minds works, which is in, and stick with me here where you feel like someone owes you something because you did something for them. And like, they're going to follow through on it. She thought that since she wrote this dude and visited him every single week, when he got out of prison, that he was just automatically going to do what she wanted, everything she wanted when she wanted it, because he owed her that. 
Just like dudes, like, oh man, I took her to the, I took her to the cheesecake factory, and she ain't trying to give me the draws. Like, what is that about? Like, come on, man. Like, the, like every no. What is it about, though? No. <laughs> but the, the thing is, <laughs> man, because I don't know, man. People just look at things too transactionally. You know, like everything's not a transaction. I mean, you got to just uh, look at. Oh yeah. Yeah, and I, I think that's that's part of the problem that this woman had. I mean, she's a little delusional too. So. Well, I was telling this one dude that like. I kind of uh, mentor. Bro, man, that's messed up. Why do you only kind of mentor him? Why don't you just full mentor him and so he can be uh, more successful? Too, I mean, I was just trying to kind of mentor because, you know what I mean? If, I, if I'm a full mentor, it just don't sound gangster enough. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, like, okay. you're like, I, I want to be like one foot in, one foot out. You know what I'm saying? But that's my, that's my boy. But I, I was telling him that's the mistake that dudes make the most like early on in relationships is thinking like somebody owes you something. And it's like, no, nah, dog. Like, you know what I mean? We have certain things we needed to do to show people that we're interested in them, and they still can do whatever makes them happy. Exactly. And I think that gets lost on people because people think like, oh, I'm gonna spend this much amount of money, so you know, I'm entitled to you know this or whatever. But that's not really the case. I mean, it's. Uh, I don't know, man. I feel like there's a good metaphor for it, but I'm not. I'm not coming up with one. <laughs> Can't help you there, bro. Yeah, it, it doesn't even make a difference, bro. Besides that, but that just kind of shows the importance of uh, you know the whole the mail thing and the letter writing because a lot of people in prison, you know, they end up running scams on a lot of the women who are calling them or calling them. I guess they end up calling them, but they end up running scams on the people who are writing them. Um, you know, they try to get a little bit of money out of them. They're like, yeah, you know what? I'm in here and, you know, it's just so hard and I can't wait to get out and see you. But, you know, if you can send me $20 in the meantime, that'll that kind of help me out. That's gang. And I mean, not if you have no intention of actually, you know, being with a woman. I mean, that's a scam. I mean, that's what it is, you know. And It's not there's, illegal. There's a lot of that. And it's funny because we actually. It's yeah. taking advantage. I mean, it's, sure. It's something that a it's woman not, should be. um able to detect and move on it's funny because on the same show love after lockup man there's another there's a guy man he's a truck driver and um he he calls himself being in love with this uh this woman he met on um meeting inmate.com and um she meeting and what meet an inmate.com uh, and, okay, and, yeah, yeah. and the whole thing is crazy like i really everyone listening to this if you have hulu and you can go look up this show. I need you to watch at least the first episode because it's completely irrational what a lot of these people are thinking. Because this this inmate that he like meets to to write an inmate period. Well, <laughs> well, not not only that, right? But like this woman is shooting videos from prison, you know, and like taking all these like X rated photos from prison to post on this website for this guy to see, you know? And I was like, I was like, how is this possible? You know, oh, she's, the, she's the one who's an inmate. Yeah. She's in, and she's basically like, you know, using this dude as, as a trick, you know, cause he said that he sent her over mm-hmm. the, over two years, he sent her $20,000. Well, that's why it's worth it for for I her. We take that risk to take the pictures too. But I'm saying, like, once the show comes out, assuming that she's not already out, I mean, who? So no one at the prison is going to look at this and be like, "Wait, how is this media leaving the prison and getting you know 
to the outside world, I guess. Well, you know what's really happening when, when uh, somebody making money like that in prison, somebody, somebody else is making paid, money yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah, you're probably right about that. So we talked about the different like inmates and the different jobs that they had, but everyone didn't have jobs. Everyone doesn't have a job there. Like there's a guy named Cowboy who you think about it, he's like, yeah, I could work and be a cook for six in an hour, or, you know, I can find this broken Walkman, figure out how to fix it and sell it for like five bucks, you know, and I made in, you know, one hour what that cook made in, you know, a week or something like that, probably even longer than that. So, and I guess one one hustle could be telling these people who are writing into you that you love them, that whenever you get out, you're going to marry them, you're going to be with them, and they send you money in the meantime. I mean, yes, but in order, and I, I like hustle is a better better uh, word than scam. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I, I don't know, but that's yeah. Yeah, but even in order to keep that hustle going, though, you need stamps. Yes. And that actually, the reason I'm bringing that up, right, is because it just shows prison is like its own ecosystem. It's its own community. It's its own, what, what word am I looking for, bro? I think you said it. Economy, ecosystem, yeah, man. universe. Yeah, man. It's just, it's, it's so different, man, because the currency in prison is almost like some hunter-gatherer type shit where it's all bartering, you know, and they have different different levels of currency. And stamps are one of the highest currencies you can have because if you want to keep running your game uh, with, with these women to get them to send you money, you have to be able to obviously send mail back out. So you need the stamps. So there's people who said that, you know, you can get noodles for stamps. You can get little Debbie cakes for stamps. You can get pretty much anything you want for for some stamps. That's why when I first heard the episode, I just was like, oh, this whole episode is about prison hustles. But then it went in a whole different direction when it started talking about mail and stuff like that. But yeah. You know, a funny story from that episode is, man, there's a guy who, um, I can't remember what the dude's name was. Art. Nah, not Art. It was no. another guy, man. He got the, it was a black dude. He got the mail from yeah. someone else who had the same name. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. it ended being for like the the letter was supposed to be for like an Aryan nation dude and he tried to play it off like he was a dude from he was like he was a skinhead and um yeah, and it was from some woman yeah some woman like yeah you know my my white knight and all this other you know what I'm saying <laughs> ridiculous this but what i got from that story more than anything else was that like the 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 poor white equivalent of the n word is woods oh yeah I didn't know about woods, but I knew I knew about where it, from the place where it came from, Peckerwood. I knew that was like a a term that they used back in the day because they took, they referenced it in a book when I, that I read in uh, English. But uh, yeah, woods is wild. Like, and then they started calling each other woods, yeah. just kind of like niggas call each other niggas. So that's <laughs> that's the funniest exactly. part is that like they were like, yeah, I'm gonna use this pejorative term to hit, but you can't say it. <laughs> Yeah, and that's why I thought that was funny because, again, I never, I've never heard that. But now that I know it, like that's the first thing I thought of when there's like, yeah, you know, woods derived from you know the word the word peckerwood, which used to be a pejorative term, but now they kind of use it as you know 
something that uh, inspires camaraderie. And I'm like, man, where have I heard that before? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Speaking of, uh, you know, we all know that like there really isn't a equivalent to the N word for white people and like for white people who try to act like it's those terms are effective. Yeah. Like they, we we know it's just like, y'all just playing a game. You just, you just put no and stop that. But I came up with it. I found a new name that I think could work. I was in Austin, Texas, like last month, maybe two months ago. And uh, I was down there for a music festival and do some network, all this bullshit. And uh, I was meeting a friend who I knew, who I met in Pittsburgh, but who lives down there now. And, and like she, she told me about this uh, house party, and so the city that I was in was in Pflugerville, and Pflugerville is spelled P F E U L G E R V I L L E or something like that. And since I saw, I was like, "Oh, that's a new term, a fluger." That <laughs> that shit like hits. That shit hits like you fluger. Like that shit, it does not sound what? like a good thing. Like you, so that's my. I'm a. Uh, I put that in the universe, man. I want that to be the term. A fluger sounds like what you spit out. Exactly. You know what I'm that's you why it sounds disgusting. Like you fluger. It does. Yeah, I think that's that, a pretty that, good that one, man. That's my contribution for, to, to the world and to this episode. I might get a Nobel Peace Prize all right, for it. All right, bro. I'm, I'm, right, I'm going to need you to workshop that for a little bit. Let me know how that uh, comes out, man. Give me an update on the next episode uh, of uh, Something About Podcast. I got bro. you. <laughs> <laughs> all right, babe. Um, to, just to kind of close out the, um, the male portion of this or whatever, you know, I think this kind of goes back into the jail environment kind of being its own thing, but more than, you know, people trying to find love are writing these inmates. Also their family members are writing them. You know, a lot of their family members kind of keep them going, give them life. You know, this, uh, obviously jail's not a prison specifically isn't a place that's easy to get through, but you know, people look forward to this ma- to the mail. There was one inmate that they interviewed who ended up going into the infirmary for about a week. And when he got back from the infirmary, he found out his cellmate was moving out. And he he, could, he he had no idea why. And then he found out that while he was out, his cellmate had found the address of his sister and his other family members who were writing him. And he was writing them back, telling them that basically he wasn't he wasn't shit and you know he was lying about all the stuff that was going on in prison and basically like smearing this dude's name trying to keep his family members from writing him and everything and the response to that was like yo i think i and he said he said he was gay too yeah exactly and like the that actually made me ask the question uh-oh i was trying to put everything together like why would you do it because throughout the whole thing these um nobody ever could give a reason why that dude did that like normally like normally most people don't act completely illogical unless they have some kind of mental trauma or whatever so like i'm like dog there has to be a reason 
And then so when he's going through like, yeah, he said I was this. He said he said I was untrustworthy. He said I was gay. Blah blah blah. I was thinking, I was like, maybe this is a lover's quarrel. And lover scorned. <laughs> quarrel, scorn, whatever. Yeah. Like, I don't know, man. That's literally what my mind went to. But it like, and it took no time. It was like half of a second. I was like, oh, this was your dude. <laughs> but ultimately, whenever you found out, he had a decision to make. You know, it was like, yo, I think I need to kill this dude. You know, because that's that's prison justice. You know, that's the society. Like prison is a different society, man. There's like different rules there. And a lot of what happens in prison is based on respect. A lot of the way that you're treated is based on respect. And if this guy didn't handle his business with this with this individual, then, you know, he would lose respect. And, you know, that could really have a negative impact on him with other inmates. So he had to decide, like, man, is it really worth adding more time to my sentence, you know, just to prove a point? Or is there another way about this? And basically, he just ended up putting out there that this dude, what this dude did. And because since that was such a violation, no one else in the prison would even bang with this dude anymore to the point that, you know what I'm saying? He just, he just basically got froze out. Yeah. And I heard that and I wondered if I believed that or not. Well, you, you think You think he shanked him? No, I don't think that necessarily. If it's true that everybody in prison would expect you to, to react a certain way because this happened, yeah. then to me, you brought, telling everybody in the yard that that happened, you ain't going to do nothing. That could have easily- Would make you look yeah, bad. Yeah, it could have easily backfired. But what the story he told kind of contradicted like that because he's like, oh, and everybody was- just like, oh, fuck this dude. You know what I'm saying? But at the end of the day, who the fuck cares about what everybody thinks? The thing is, if if if, if that dude does that to you, contacts your sister, makes you really pissed off, you either do something to him or you don't. By yeah. you by you putting all the, putting that, all that stuff out to um everybody else, it makes it that your concern becomes their perception of you instead of fucking doing or not doing what you were going to do anyway. And like, if something does happen, you got, you provide a motive to a whole bunch of dudes who are looking to get out of jail at some point. You know what I mean? So to me, the moral of that whole story was like, you just should just uh, shut your mouth and handle your business sometimes. All right. I hear you. But um, what I want to do now is uh, take a break. On the other side of the break, I just want to talk about, you know, getting out of prison, what happens, what what freedom is, and, you know, the people who, unfortunately, you know, the only way out of prison is in a pine box. We'll talk about that on the other side. A lot of people ask me what FRH stands for. That is Fly Revolutionary Hustler. And if you would like to buy a shirt, buy a hat, check out the social media, buy some music, get some signed albums, go to flyrevolutionaryhustler.com. We are Fly Revolutionary Hustlers because we are united. We are on the come up and we are never afraid to be first.
All right, we're back from the break. The next episode we wanted to talk about was um, Kissing the Concrete. Uh, that was an episode where they were chronicling two different inmates who got released from prison. Uh, one guy's name was Ronnie. The other guy's name was Cuddy, a.k.a. Swaggy Smooth because of his jumper. When they got released, it was two completely different stories, you know. Uh, Ronnie was an older guy. He had been arrested six times from the time he was 22. Um, this time, whenever he got out, he was 50 years old. He was arrested for uh, selling and uh, using meth. Uh, you know, at this point, he had burnt all his bridges. He had no family. Like his uh, his son and his daughter had some uh, genetic deficiency or something. That so both of them were had died by the time he got out. You know, his family didn't trust him. And his son was using meth before he died. And that accelerated um, whatever issue he had, which uh, probably caused him to die faster if he didn't use meth. You know. And then um, the other guy, Cuddy, uh, whenever they're talking to him, they're like, hey, man, you know, he's like, he's, he was a hustler, right? Like before he I got think to prison? He went in for selling drugs. Yeah, I think that's what he got convicted. Uh, I'm not sure. Oh, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I don't even. No, no. It, he, his was uh, armed robbery. Okay. But yeah, man, but whenever they talk to Cuddy, you know, they're like, hey, you know, what's it going to be like whenever you get out? And he told them he had like his whole first week planned out, you know, and whenever yeah. he get, whenever he went to get out of prison, his girl came and picked him up. She already had some weed rolled up for him. Uh, his mom threw a big party for him. There's a lot of dancing. It was a celebration that he was back. And it appears that, you know, he's on the on the right path to, you know, stay out of prison with his other dude, Ronnie who doesn't have any family or anything. This dude was back to using meth two weeks after he was released. It just shows the importance of having a good woman by your side. <laughs> well, I mean, and the plan. This is a joint that's just scare us single niggas out here. You know what I'm saying? You ain't got no woman to keep you straight. You ain't going to have no plan. The only reason why the other don't homie ha had to have a plan is because he, he had to have one. Shorty was like, yo. If you don't come back with a fucking plan, I don't know where you sleeping. So Cuddy had to get to work. <laughs> yeah, man. You know what the crazy thing is, man? It started off good for Ronnie, too, man. Because apparently this dude used to carve, like, flowers out of soap. And somehow he hustled somebody into paying 20 bucks for it. You know? Well, he had his first day planned. So he, he knew that the first day that he got out, where he was going to go and be able to sell those things. And... So he had that plan, and then 24 hours later, that he, he didn't have a plan for nothing else. Yeah, man. Apparently, according to the description, to the description of Ronnie, apparently he looked like Heisenberg from Breaking Bad, which is ironic since this dude was arrested for selling meth. Yes, and supposedly his one friend in the world sent him the outfit that that dude wore in Breaking Bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's crazy because this dude ends up going dark because they were interviewing him to see what his life would be like outside of prison. And they're talking to him maybe like every day, every other day. And then all of a sudden they don't hear from him for two weeks. And then he pops back on the scene and he's talking to Erlon. And Erlon's like, hey, man, what happened? He's like, you know what? I didn't want to let you guys know that I was using again. And they're like, how did that happen? He's like, well, you know, some whenever I went back to my town, it was a small town, someone recognized me and asked me if I wanted a hit or wanted some meth. And, you know, 
I accepted it. And then, you know, it just went downhill from there. But the funny thing, the, not funny, but the thing that came. Well, you knew he was going to go that route, though, because when they asked him how long, how long he had been, been clean, clean yeah. for, he said too much. That motherfucker had been locked up for <laughs> years. So to me, I was like, yeah, my man ain't have enough sobriety to yeah. uh, rock out. But even with that said, um, Nigel asked him an interesting question before he was released from prison. Because at this point, whenever he's, you know, doing meth again and he's talking to Erlon, he's showing Erlon his feet and his feet are all beat up and bruised from how much he's walking. And he has nowhere to nowhere to stay because, you know, all his family has passed and the people who are alive don't trust him. He said that even one point he walked to the police station and curled up and slept on the floor of the police station. He's white, so you know, he, he didn't told get shot. Erlon all that. You know why he told Erlon all that? Because he knew Erlon couldn't do that without getting rearrested. Well, <laughs> <laughs> that's why. Nah, he told all, he told he told Erlon that whole story. The same reason why any other nigga tells you he, all the shit. He's he, 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 he looking he for. He wanted a buck. that nigga to help, yeah. and then the podcast was like, "Actually, we can't help you. <laughs> we know you, we we could just document all the people you asked for help. You know what I mean? Good luck with that, bro." Before he got out of prison. Nigel asked him, given the lack of support that you have outside of these walls, would it be more beneficial for you to stay in prison or is prison so terrible that you got to get out of here? And, you know, she was very apologetic when she asked this question because she's like, you know, I know this sounds absurd, but whenever, you know, Erlon is interviewing him, and he's just in like the worst shape possible. It's like, hey, well, whenever he was in prison, he had three he had three meals. He had somewhere to lay his head. He had a roof over his head. Like, was he in better shape? But and I agree with him with how he answered his question. Yeah, he said he said, nah, prison is just such a terrible place that you know I'd rather be you know homeless and you know without <laughs> technically without hope than yeah. being here. But I don't think prison is the right place for really nobody. I feel like there's certain people that them being free just isn't good for us. So yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. I do have a friend or two that I think them being locked up actually saved their life because like what they were doing out here in the in the world, and it just seemed like somebody else was going to come through and 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 maybe. Uh, do something to him permanently so maybe like that there is a few folks like that but outside of that man i just don't think humans are meant to be in prison man basically what ronnie was saying though and i can i'm only ronnie saying this well for mike and the only reason i'm saying this is because of the situation he found himself in is that you know he rather rather die than go back to prison or live in prison and you know that's something that you hear people say, or you've heard people say, I mean, you even hear, hear rappers say it, but you know who's not saying that? Dead people. Them dudes on death row. Oh. Yeah, there was an episode um, called Chicken on the Bone, and that whole thing was about uh, focused on the prisoners who were on death row basically waiting to die. You know, they uh, would get something called a death warrant, which was the date that... Um, that had been picked out for them to, you know, get executed. 
Um, but executions have been, I don't think anyone's been executed in California in what, like 13 years? Was, was Tukey Williams executed in California? Yeah, I think he was like the last one, like 2006, I think, maybe. Yeah, so I guess that'd be about 13 years ago. So, you know, so there's been a stay of execution, so there's been a lot of... R.P. Tookie. Yeah, so there's a lot of cats who are sitting on death row just waiting to die. And I'm like, man, that's... I can't even imagine what that's like, you know, just knowing that... Like, how do you how do you plan, man? How do you just go about your life? I mean, there's some... They interviewed a couple of guys who... One guy, he said he only would eat once every other day, you know, and he would just work out and he would go to sleep, but he he just wouldn't allow himself to get comfortable because he didn't want to, you know, get to a point where he started enjoying life. And then all of a sudden someone could just be like, yeah, yo, you're, you're scheduled to die tomorrow. Having that date and particularly when you have that date several times, it probably does something that's really deeply troubling because it's like. I prepared myself how I thought I needed to prepare myself the first time and then it didn't happen. And then the next time. So then you have that doubt. So there's just like probably a million different things. Some of these dudes have probably had their last meal uh, more than one time. Yeah. Cause there's a lot of people who end up getting stayed at the last minute when they're on death row. So I'm sure that doesn't help with the psyche, but then at the same time, I also think that, um, there's certain benefits of knowing when you're going to die in general. Like, I mean, Campbell. you could technically still die before that, but you know, like having that kind of date, there's a certain finality to it that can kind of drive your efforts and, and push yourself where the rest of us are kind of out here on like, we don't know if we're going to get hit by a bus tomorrow or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I guess it gives but, you a different sense of urgency. I mean, if someone told you you're going to die next week, I mean, there's probably a lot of things that you would, a lot of fences you would try to mend, a lot of things that you've been putting off that you would try to push through that, I mean, right now, because, I mean, you think you got years to do things, you know, so, and you might take you years to do things that really you can get done in a few days. Yeah. Just because you think you had the benefit of time. Facts. I mean, what? so, so what are one of those things, man? Let's say that someone told you you had two weeks to live, bro. What what are you what are you doing, man? What 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 is urgent for you? I'm probably probably gonna shoot like four fucking music videos. You know what I mean? So that should take me like that shit might take me all two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely not gonna be able to see the edited through editing through. <laughs> but yeah. uh I would do that. For sure, just just leave something behind. I don't know. I've lived a pretty full life, man. I've traveled a lot. Um, I'll probably just start, probably just going down a list of women I I, I need to shoot my shot shot at. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> See, here's the thing, man. Because like some people would say, you know. You may only have two weeks to know. The difference is you don't know. Yeah. You know, so what's keeping you from doing these things that you find important or that you find urgent? I mean, well, to me, like, I don't, when people say, like, live like you're going to die tomorrow, I don't believe in that. I believe in, like, live like you almost died yesterday. That's the best way to live. And what I mean by that is, like, when you have that level of finality 
just because those certain things are prioritized, that doesn't mean that those are the things that you should be spending your time doing today. Like, for example, if I'm doing all this running around, doing doing all these unfulfilled fantasies, um, because I think I'm going to die in two weeks, what that replaces is work. I'm not going to motherfucking work. I'm not, you know, I'm not... I'm not coming up with this plan for do, doing like the hard kind of things that we do that normally create the things that we're most proud of and that we can lay a foundation for. So I, I just think we got we got to watch how we talk about like um, just because something's urgent does not mean it's like important. Yeah, but sometimes it does mean that. Well, sometimes <laughs> sometimes they match. It never means it, but it sometimes yeah. they, they match. Yeah, because I mean, you know, there's a lot of people who, you know, just kind of been wasting their life waiting for the perfect time to do something and, you know, just never get around to it, man, because the piano falls on the head or something. That's that's but, a random ass. Is that like a, a, a common? You know, it, nah, man, that's it's, it, it, it's weird thing. because uh, that's that's definitely a cartoon thing, like even like a piano or an anvil or something. Sure. Um, <laughs> but nah, man, it's... um. But that you know, I, I guess that's really what what it comes down to, man. At the end of this whole prison thing, either you know you finally get out one way or the other, you know, it's through it's through the grave, or you finally get out. And when you get out, man, it's up to you to decide how you're going to be free, you know. Because like for one guy, you know, he has his whole support system. He has, as far as he's concerned, he has his whole life ahead of him. Man, he was talking about going to the DMV and getting his license and going to go eat waffles and all this other stuff. And this other dude's just like, man, I get this twenty dollars, I'm gonna go spend it on meth. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. So I mean, you know, it, you know, freedom's what you make it. I guess that's true. But I also be feel like I always be, I also be like, we gotta be careful about what what stories are presented to us because sometimes we be trying to take parables out of things and it's uh-huh. not always rooted in reality. So those are two stories that we heard, you know what I mean? But like, but I think, I think they were purposely done though, just because they were so, they contrasted yeah. each other so much, you know, one was so much different than the other. You know, we have this young black dude. We have this old white dude. You know what I'm saying? This young black dude has this crazy support system. Yeah, because Cuddy was like in his 20s. Yeah. And the other dude was like 55 or something. Exactly. You know, and Cuddy had a family. He had, you know, he was still, he still had his whole life to live. You know, he had only been to jail that one time where the other guy, he had been in jail six times. You know, so again, yeah. like, you know, and the odds were that he was going to end up back in jail. Yeah, I, it's just it's just interesting to me though, like, cause it's like, there's probably also another motherfucker who had everything fucking planned, and then he was he, he had all his plans, and then he went. And it was like, oh, felons can't do this ever, <laughs> <laughs> and, and then the motherfucking life sucked. And there's probably somebody else who's like, yo, I just had no plans, and I just was talking to my uncle, and next thing you know, I was working, like you know what I'm saying, yeah. like it. It also could be high. It could highlight those differences in philosophies, but you could also say that it could be the difference in crimes, the difference between someone who's who's suffering from addiction and someone who's not. Someone's who's fifty five in uh, in the in the uh, game, and someone who's twenty nine. Someone who's been to prison five times versus someone who's one. 
So it's just like there's so many. Factors. So so you're saying there's so you're saying there's nuance. Yes, and that's what I believe in at at the core is two things could be true. Oh, most definitely, man. But you know, this seems like a pretty good time to um kind of wrap this up. So overall, what do you think of the podcast, man? On a scale of one to ten, what do you give it and why? The overall podcast, I would say. I overall give the podcast a four out of ten. Four, wow, yeah, wow, why four, man? And I, I it could have been five, but uh, now when I put four out of ten, five is average to me. Okay, so I'm not doing the, I'm not doing the grading. So you're saying it's below scale. average, then? Yeah. All right. It's below at least what I enjoyed. It was average for me, like. Like, and this is it has more to do with my enjoyment in terms than how it's produced or all that kind of stuff. Like, I thought the the podcast, it just felt like driving music, which is cool. Like, it felt NPR. And I like listening to NPR, like, when I'm driving. Yeah. When I'm like, it's just like cool stories and it's like in one ear and out the other ears. Some some episodes or or are more entertaining than others. So it get, gave me that kind of vibe. But what I listen to in the podcast that I search out for is a little bit stuff that I can count on for being engaging and thought provoking and uh, me resonating with the hosts a certain way and their stories and all that kind of stuff. And I don't get those things out of this particular podcast. I, I, it just seems t- too like, wiped down and clean and um, and sterilized. Sterile is probably the word, yeah. Yeah. You know what? I mean, I would give it a 6 out of 10. Um, The reason why, like the first episode I listened to, I actually listened to with Amanda. And Amanda's, for whatever the reason, is really into, like, prison shows. So we, th- I thought that this would be a good podcast to listen to with her. And... We're probably like 15 minutes into the first podcast we listened to, which was uh, the um, I Want the Fairy Tale podcast. And she was like, this is boring, you know, and and part of it had had to do with what you were talking about, where you said that it felt sterile. And it's because in some instances, it feels really overproduced. There's a lot of music, a lot of musical cues and sound cues that really add levity to the situation where you're like where i get I, I guess it's not as gritty as you expect it to be you're about to listen to a- you know what it sounds like better than sterile it sounds gentrified the podcast sounds mad gentrified it sounds like it's made for like some elite liberal somewhere like who's jogging every morning and like <laughs> and shops at lululemon and goes to starbucks so it's more sugar-coated than anything else and again this is only based on the fourth the episodes from the fourth season that we listened to because again yeah. there are other episodes that they that i believe they talked about assault in prison and probably other heavier subjects so without listen going back and listening to those I can't speak to them, but based on the four season that we listened to, yeah, it was very overproduced. And I think that that's purposely done because if you just have this 
podcast about prison, like just think of like the audio version of Oz. I mean, how much of that can you listen to? Yeah. Well, this is the other thing. When I said when I said it sounds gentrified, I'll give an example of that. Um, there is an example where some of the men in San Quentin were their musical selections were used in a play at the Met Gala and they were playing an audio version of that. And um, a few of the people whose recordings were used and they were like singing or whatever. And then they had modern dance going to, to it. A few of those people were released in time to actually attend the show. One had to work and then the rest were still incarcerated. And when I listened to the story, the first thing I was like, oh, man, like, this is like one of those, feels like a big pat on the back from, like, your white wealthy friend. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, yeah, yeah like, we we got these, uh, you know, these prisoners, and we got them at the Met Gala. Like, it's like the most fanciest shit, like, and it's just like, oh, yeah, like, these are these are real authentic African voices from prison, you know what I'm saying? And then the few came out and like it's so the podcast itself kind of gives me that feel of like, oh, like look at us like shedding the light on this group. Don't we look so great for it? And uh, sometimes I get that feel from it. And at the but at the same time, the flip side of that was like well, these dudes are dudes who've been locked up and I'm glad that they have the opportunities that are afforded to them through this program and all the other programs that they have um, within San Quentin. But again, it goes back to that first point. It's just, it just points to the inequity that we have in certain zip codes and areas in our country. Like, of course, the people with Silicon Valley going have all this money to put toward this shit. Yeah, but one thing that um, Amanda had said whenever we were listening to it, I think we may have been listening to the Chicken on a Bone episode, the Death the Death Row episode, and um, one of the one of the guys they interviewed were were complaining about he was complaining about the um, either the food that he was getting getting or something else, and she was like, "Yeah, but you killed someone, you know," and I think that that's part of. I think that that's easy to get lost in listening to this because you listen to it and you you forget sometimes like because you like some of the rhetoric on this podcast can elicit sympathy or seems to elicit sympathy. But a lot of these people admittedly had done things to get themselves in prison. Like there's a reason why they're in there. And whenever you're like, oh, well, you know, I haven't had steak and eggs in 12 years. And it's like, yeah, but you shot someone and stole their money. So (laughs) there's a reason for that, you know? So I think that one thing about this podcast. Oh, that was a guy, yeah, that was a guy who went to death row. So I guess back in the day, he used to have steak and eggs. Yeah, they're talking about how much better the food was. Yeah. 
yeah, I remember that. Oh, yeah. yeah, so because it was funny because he was just complaining about like the the state of you know where he was living or you know his accommodations, and the man is like, "But you killed somebody. What do you think? Like, <laughs> like you going to go to the Radisson? You know what I'm saying? Like you." Yeah. <laughs> Oh, the Radisson. I haven't heard of heard that term or, or hotel in a long time. Is the Radisson's are they still open? Shit, I don't know. I'm a, I'm gonna end up putting that in the song. Is it? But <laughs> yeah, so like that's one one thing that I took out of it is that, you know, a lot of the people who they put on to host, like Erlon and and New York, they're really personable individuals. But, you know, they're also guilty of doing things. So at the same time, like you want to sympathize with them, but you're also like, yeah, but there's a reason why, you know, you are in the position you're in. And unfortunately, a lot of it does have to do with the inequity that you're talking about. I mean, uh, there was an episode called uh, Tell Chrissy I Love Her, where it um, chronicled a situation where a cop was chasing after... Um, a criminal and a criminal basically shot the cop in the head. The cop lived and it talked about both of their journeys. I was so surprised that this dude lived. Was sentenced to 25 to life. Yeah. I was like, I was expecting him just to get just life. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, like there's why is there a possibility of parole for the Actually, guy? I think it, I think it was shorter than that. It was like 15 to life. It was something I was just like for a cop. Like, that's crazy. Exactly. In that episode, what ends up happening is the cop goes to the parole hearing expecting to, you know, tell the parole board, like, no, this guy needs to stay in stay in prison. You know, he's a terrible person is what he he's done to me. But instead, you know, he finds out all the things that led this person into the life that led him into that alley with him with his gun in his hand, you know, and at that point he f felt sympathy. So what his conclusion was is that they're both trained to be in that situation based on the environment that they grew up in. And I mean, it's a really cool juxtaposition. I mean, it's something that you may have heard before. The end of it is kind of saccharine because, you know, it's about forgiveness. And, um, and that's why I don't like this fucking podcast because it's, so allegory driven it's just like i that's what feels so whitewashed and gentrified about it it's like oh how these people from two different places it's just like nothing is a surprise to me it's just like all these like i don't know liberal fairy tales yeah but 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 think about it this but yeah. think about it this way right that that story is important because it is whitewashed. Like white people listen to this, right? I don't think anyone is thinking about this other guy's side of the story. They're just thinking about the cop side of the story. They're not thinking about why this guy's trying to kill a cop. You know, they're like, yo, this dude needs to be, you know, never see the light of day again. Okay. But through that episode, you know, they get a different side of the story that, you know, care about told them why did. this I'm is the there. case. I'm me. And that's why I don't like that shit. Whatever, bro. I don't give a fuck about that. Hey, bro, you you gave it a four. I got I it. I understand. I'm just let you know why. The, you know that's that's why I don't like that shit. That's perfectly why. It's fucking Oprah. Uh, either way, man, I think it's a pretty good uh, podcast. It's solid. It makes me want to go back and listen to former episodes to just kind of see if they're still kind of produced the same or if they're you know a little different. So, as far as the usefulness is concerned, 
in in context of prison, all right, from a dollar bill to stamps, how useful is it? Keep in mind that a dollar bill is considered contraband and has no actual value in prison. That's fucking bullshit. <laughs> a dollar bill got got fucking worth everywhere. Not in prison, bro. Everywhere. Yes, it does. Now nah, you should. You know who can use dollar bills? People who are trying to get set other people up to get like you know what I'm saying guards. solitary <laughs> guards can use dollar bills. You can pay the motherfucking guards up to do whatever the fuck you want. It's a terrible analogy. For one dollar bill. God, you're worse at the analogies. Normally, we got this whole thing. If you guys haven't noticed by now, Kyle has been quarterback in this show. So normally, it's like kind of like the opposite way around. And normally, I'm the one who gives like the useful to non-useful. And yours are usually garbage. So mine are. You're welcome. You're welcome for something useful. Continue. But sometimes Kyle, every now and then, Kyle is able to, you know, bring a bring a example of something that's actually good. And better than what I have. See, here's the thing. The last one. Like again, your last one. Again, let's not even get into your garbage analogies, right? So, on a scale from here's the thing. from stamps to a credit card, boom. That's what we're talking about. That's dumb because stamps are useful. Like they literally did an entire episode about how useful stamps were. Exactly, a credit card is not useful in jail. But why would a credit card be in jail? That's my point. So that's it. From stamps to a credit card. Actually, a How's credit card it? could be useful if you had a cell phone. Cell phones are contraband. But cell phones are in jail. I mean, you can connect with the outside world. You can't talk into a dollar bill and get a hold of somebody. Bro, a credit card. And what you what you gonna do with the credit card? Order some shit off of Amazon, nigga. Yeah, man, you can pay people on the outside, or you could buy stuff for the guards. No, nah, your shit is terrible, bro. I will not accept it. I will not accept it. And the, cra- and the crazy thing is, like, there's so many things in prison. Like, the, the difficult part about this is that there's very few things in prison that aren't that are useful. useful. Because yeah. even the most mundane thing. Phone book. Remember we talked about a phone book? A phone book is useful as fucking prison. You can you wear that shit around your, your chest and not, not worry about getting shanked the fuck up. Yeah. So, I mean, like, because no, everything that you think of that may be in prison is, like, useful. Because even this credit card, you could probably sharpen and, like, slice somebody's throat with or something. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's, like, there's very uh, few yeah. things that, like. That's just like my Amazon joint. That's just like metal. Like, what do they say, man? They say um, desperation breeds ingenuity. There you go. And a lot of these dudes are desperate, man. So whatever they get their hands on, you know, they'll turn it into some stuff. Yeah, that's so, true. So there's very few things in prison that are useless. You're lucky I wasn't so quick on my toes. I really was going to go down. Every, you, you said, what is that thing they say? I was literally about to go down everything I could think that people say. So. So. From a dollar bill to a credit card, the stamps. Yo, but in terms of usefulness, I don't plan on going to jail anytime soon. I'm not afraid to go to jail, but I don't want to go to jail. And so (laughs) I would say this is not useful at all. So this is about as useful in prison as. A hotel gift card. Right. So from a dollar bill from a dollar bill to stamps, I'd say 
that this podcast is about as useful as a soap sculpture. You know, the like that's that's the best I got. Like it's not really that useful at all. It's cool because it occupies your time and gives you something to do. But once you made your your soap sculpture, there has absolutely no point. So that's kind of where this is, man. I enjoyed listening to it more than I thought I would. I actually do have some interest in going back and listening to some old episodes. Uh, nah, that that might, that might be a you thing since you're not afraid to do it. And I mean, um, you've been talking, you've been schooling us on prison like the, this whole episode. Hey, like, let me tell you about prison, dog. Hey, I'm, I got scared straight by prison, Mike, yo. So, oh, <laughs> yeah, but um. Hey guys, if any of y'all do have a felony, let me tell you: do not check the box. <laughs> All right, we're not. We're definitely not doing that. Man. <laughs> but yeah, so like I said, um, I may go back and listen to them. I may not, but I mean, at least I have some interest in going back and listening to it. But overall, usefulness is not very useful. I mean, maybe I mean not even really for bantering conversations, for some trivial knowledge of things that happened in prison that I didn't know before that I may want to talk about if I get cornered into a conversation about prison for some reason. But outside of that, this doesn't really have a ton of usefulness. But yeah, so, um, you know, have you guys listened to Ear Hustle before? If you have, what did you think? I mean, what do you think of our review of Ear Hustle? Um, what podcast do you think we should review next? Um, we're open to, to suggestions. Golden, where do they find us? They find us at About Podcast on Instagram, on Twitter, and wherever else we might decide to go in the future. About Podcast, holla at us. Yeah, so drop us a review. Let us know if you like the podcast. Let us know if you agreed or disagreed. More than anything else, um, rate and review. Give us those five stars. It, uh, it'll definitely help us out. So until next time, peace, love, and blessings. Ow. Later. <laughs>